0: This week on the podcast, we've got David Toledo from Crow Bicycles from Madrid, Spain. I actually recorded this episode early on in the pandemic and was excited to learn more about the Crow brand. As it turned out, as many of you know, the disastrous supply chain affected many, many brands and it actually affected Crow's planned launch schedule. We put the episode on ice, but I'm happy to say Crow is ready to go with bikes ready to ship. Crow Bicycles, as you'll learn shortly, is an e-bicycle company with a gravel model that is their flagship offering, but they also offer commuting bikes, flat bar gravel bikes, and a bunch of options if you're looking to enter the e-bike market. I've always been fascinated by e-bikes. I first got an e-bike for a cargo bike, and it was a no-brainer to schlep my son around, but Increasingly, I've learned to appreciate the place that e-bikes have in the market, whether it's for commuting or pleasure. I do think if you open your mind, e-bikes make sense for a number of type of riders. I often think about some of the riders I see up on Mount Tam, which is a bit of a hefty climb. As they're getting older, maybe they don't have the ability to get up the hill or, or maybe they're trying to ride with younger friends. And I see multi-generational rides, happening with fathers and sons and the father might be on the e-bike or a son might be on the e-bike so it's been fascinating to see so i'm excited to see where these will fit in and i know crow's execution is very slick you'll hear david talk about the type of drivetrain they've implemented and the sort of swiss army knife approach they've taken with the bike with the type of motor and battery pack removable from the bike entirely making it a, a perfectly acceptable standard bike, maybe with a slight weight penalty, but perfectly acceptable to ride. So I think it's an interesting option. I encourage you to enter this episode with an open heart about what e-bikes could be and learn a little from David, and go check out the Crow Bicycles lineup. Before we jump in, I want to thank this week's sponsor, Hammerhead and the crew 2 Computer. Do you want to get more out of your rides this summer? Any old device can track distance, time, and pace, but how about the ability to see upcoming hills and points of interest along the route? The Hammerhead Karoo Two helps you find your path forward and unlock your full potential on every ride. I've talked about how I've been using the Karoo 2's climb feature and how much I've enjoyed seeing upcoming climbs. I'm excited I'm going somewhere new this next week for the 4th of July. And it's going to be interesting to see what those rides hold in front of me. I love seeing those data points. I've been continually tweaking my display on the Karoo 2 to put the things that I think are going to be most important to me. You can set up a couple different profiles. So kind of ways in which the computer screens are set up, which I find is super cool because I might think about things differently for one of my mountain bike rides or a road ride versus my gravel rides. So it's great to have that flexibility. The Karoo 2 has been simple to use and data can be uploaded to all your favorite platforms like Strava and Komoot and more. One of the things I've also been thinking about as I've found myself a little bit out of shape, I don't have a power meter, although you could connect that to the Karoo 2, but I do have a heart rate monitor. And what you guys might not know is that Hammerhead actually has their own heart rate monitor. While it works with any Ant Plus System. They also have their own technology that you can get. And for a limited time offer, our listeners can get a free heart rate monitor strap with the purchase of a Hammerhead Crew 2. You just visit hammerhead.io right now and use the promo code The Gravel Ride at checkout to get yours today. This is an exclusive limited time offer only for our podcast listeners. So don't forget to use that promo code The Gravel Ride. And that's a free heart rate monitor. With the purchase of a Karoo 2. Just go to hammerhead.io, add both items to your cart, and use the promo code the Gravel Ride. Thanks so much to Hammerhead for supporting the show this week. And with that, let's jump right into my interview with David. David, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Craig. Thank you for your time and thank you for your interest in crawl bicycles.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to get into it because the e-bike category is obviously hitting all elements of the sport, from commuter to mountain to gravel. And mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to dig into the technology and what you are working on. But before we mm-hmm. go there, David, why don't you tell the listener a little bit about your background mm-hmm. and the inspiration behind founding Crow Bicycles? To say
1: that maybe in the U.S., uh, you were early adopters in the digital trains and, and e-commerce. But in Spain, specifically when I'm located, everything... Came a little bit later than that, but I, I started pretty early and in, in the first uh, stages of the digital world in, in Spain, early 2000. In 2001, I founded my first my first company. And it was a consultancy to help on the digital transformation to the to the small companies in Spain. But it was really hard time doing that because it, it was I, I felt I was just, uh, talking in Chinese to the people. It was like, oh, uh, they, they didn't understand what I'm trying to explain them and the opportunities of the digital world. And so that, but I started there on that time in 2001 with the, my first steps on the digital world. And then I I, I run a, my own. Digital uh, advertising agency uh, for uh, many years, and on parallel, I started a new business. I was related with cycling industry with a few with a few colleagues, and we started in two thousand six with Canyon bicycles. Uh, Canyon bicycles was really interesting because it was the probably one of the first direct to consumer brands in the market. And in 2006, it was here in Spain. It was just a few small retailers or super big online stores like chainrex uh, and Cycles and that that kind of stores, or Jensen USA. Some people was buying to Jensen USA even in Spain, but there was no real digital brands in the cycle industry. And Canyon was was coming to the market to change the things. And it was at the beginning it was really tough because the people didn't trust you very much didn't trust on your project on the brand and they didn't know it and it was hard but the, when with with a lot of work from our side this the brand started to have a lot of yeah awareness in the market and, and the people started to trust on us and it was yeah then everything came it was like explosion and everything wanted to all the industry wanted to copy somehow canyon bicycles on that after a few years and now everything has changed and and i can say that the digital. Industry or the digital business are here for good, and it's something that uh, even the the big players are figuring out how to interact with the digital world and to keep their, their traditional business models, but trying to do some kind of blending between both worlds. But it's really interesting. And but my background definitely is digital. It's
0: absolutely digital. Interesting. So after all that time with Canyon Bicycles, did that spark an inspiration that you saw an opportunity in the market that led you to Crow bicycles? Yeah. I had
1: clear since the very beginning that the digital business and especially the direct to consumer business, it's the in my eyes at least is the way to go because you have as a brand, you have direct and close contact with the customers. Sometimes the people say, Hey, yeah, but you don't have a physical place. I cannot reach you. I cannot see you face to face. But the thing is that it's the opposite. The customers contact directly with the brands and the brands are interacting with the customers. And this is something wonderful because the the customer can express their feelings, their uh, fears or uh, their needs. And the brand has all these inputs from, from first hand. And this is part of the magic of the direct-to-consumer model. And you can react really quickly to the problems. And yeah, somehow all these things made me to, 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 to shape in my head if I sometime I I will have my own bike brand that was always my dream that definitely this this will be the way to to do it but also there was a lot of things to improve because there was after 14 years working with Canon Bicycles I saw all the aspects of the brand the good things and sometimes even not the so good things because it was always how you say it in English uh, shines and shadows or something like this it's uh, it's like some Things that there was not so nice, and this is the kind of things I want to improve. I want to change a little bit, and also from uh, my experience and my learnings in my last years, there is also new ways to do business, and this is the part that I'm definitely going to disrupt in comparison with other brands and even with Canyon Bicycles. In the coming months, we want to work in a, a project that is going to change the way the customers will. Use a bike, we could say. Yeah, but I, I cannot say too much about that because it's just an uh, ongoing project.
0: Interesting. Great. And then to pull the company together, were you drawing on other teammates that you had worked with previously at Canyon to design mm-hmm. the bicycles, etc.?
1: Yeah, I, mainly the design of the bicycle was my work for the last, uh, yeah, probably eight to ten months or something like this, or previously, so since 2008, late 2019 until mid-2020 or a little bit more. I was working just focused on the cycling bicycles uh, portfolio and design and components and trying to develop concept and a range that has sense. and. Then I contacted my one of my colleagues in or ex or former colleagues in in Canyon, USA, and he was working in another industry and I contacted him to to tell, hey, I'm going to launch that. This this is something that sounds interesting to you. And of course, he was interested since the very beginning. And uh, we start working and he helped me to also to shape the bikes in terms of adapting them to the uh, U.S. market and to the U.S. Uh, consumer needs, and, and together we did a lot of uh, things. Yeah, but it was it was very really interesting to have like both sides, right? The, the European point of view uh, of the cycling and the American point of view, because even if if it's uh, gravel and even if it's cycling, uh, sometimes they're pretty different
0: uh, from market to market. Yeah, absolutely. There definitely seems to be globally different perceptions around e-bikes, particularly in the off-road world that we see in Europe versus the US. Stepping back for the listener, so Crow Bicycles is introducing a range of e-bikes, e-gravel bikes to the world. David, why don't you get into just some of the basic idea behind the bike, the type of Engine that it, I don't know even know if engine is the right word in e-bike, so you'll have to correct me. Yeah. But but I'm super <laughs> no worries, curious. Fine. I've been very yeah
1: motor yeah motor maybe is the right way
0: to to yeah but
1: motor or system or just, yeah it's maybe motor is the the right one.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been interesting for me. I probably started out originally seeing e-bikes off-road and being frustrated and maybe being a little bit of a naysayer. I started yeah. <laughs> to see them commuting into San Francisco and I started to have a realization from a commuting perspective, there were absolutely days that I didn't want to ride the hour to an office downtown in San Francisco, but I certainly didn't want to get into a car and having an e-commuting bike made sense. Then I started to talk to more and more athletes who were riding them off road. And I started Mm -hmm. to appreciate a lot of the nuances in the e-bike market and how it, creates accessibility for athletes who might not be able otherwise to get up the big hills around here, but it also Mm -hmm. opened up new performance elements, new ways of riding, because you could discount certain things that may take up a lot of your time in any given bike ride. So I've become very pro e-bike actually, and I'm curious (laughs) to talk about e-gravel bike because I haven't quite made that fit into my mental model yet. Yeah.
1: The thing is that there's sometimes it's hard because there's so many kind of e-bikes, and this is interacting with customers. It's really, as I said, it's really interesting because you get a lot of feedbacks. sometimes those feedbacks are saying, "Hey, this is a moped," or "This is buy a motorcycle instead of an e-bike." Why you? Why do you buy an e-bike if you can buy a motorcycle or something like this And this is not a real bicycle. And so many feedbacks like these. And the thing is that most of these feedbacks are coming from people that never before tested uh, an e-bike yes. and they didn't have an experience with the e-bike. And and I will definitely recommend them to test it because it's, it can change your whole perception of the concept of this thing. But the, it's going to start with saying that somehow I have to give them a part of, of the, the ride because yeah there's some e-bikes in the market that definitely they are a concept that i'm not really uh friend of it's those super high speed e bikes uh, super powerful e-bikes that they're somehow they're like a moped with pedals and i'm not really comfortable with that kind of, of concept or i respect this is in the market i of course agree that this needs somehow to be like regulated because they can be even dangerous sometimes because they have a throttle and then you, you can use it as a real motorcycle but there's another can kind of e-bikes so this is uh, more like uh, a bicycle with some assistance and in this group this, this is in some states in the us this is called like the class 1 and they are limited up to 20 miles per hour and at least in europe they have a limited a limitation on even on the power the power, the motor cannot give you more than 250 watts of power. Okay. And yeah, and this is this is another concept, absolutely different to the super powerful, super heavy e-bike. And but the the truth is that one of the things I was one of the first I was missing in the market when I started to to develop crow bicycles was something in between the e-bikes that you can find in the market even coming from the big players right like from Specialized or Cannondale their approach was more like uh powerful e-bikes but uh, a bicycle but with a powerful motor and somehow a little bit heavy more heavy than I would like to have in a bicycle so this is what I I started to think hey there's I think there's room in the market for a lighter bike uh an e-bike that it's A blend between, sorry, between a a standard bicycle and an e-bike. Something that you can enjoy pedaling but it needs to be easy to pedal and it needs to be light and it needs to be nimble and so all these concepts needed to be developed in a bicycle. So I start to research and I found that there was no many options in the market for that kind of bicycles and this is what I decided, okay, I need to step into that and I need to develop a brand that it's focused on the experience. Not only on the, yeah, I have a, a super cool bike, but it's, I have the feeling that some, somehow this is uh, like artificial. I wanted to have a bicycle that when you're riding, you don't feel that this is any bike You feel that it's somehow you're better trained than you really are or better fit than you really are. But you don't feel that you're not working out. And this is found Fatsua. I met Fatsua with uh, through Canyon bicycles because they use them in the urban and commuting bikes, and and I I saw there was like uh, a lot of potential with that system and. Yeah, this is basically what I wanted to develop: an e-bike concept or a bike, a bike brand, focused on really light e-bikes, where the experience is the most important thing. Is to have the feeling that you are not using a moped or something like this. That is a real bicycle.
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple really interesting points there for the listener. One, I think we've all seen almost beach cruiser-style electric-assist bikes, and someone goes by you at 20 miles an hour. And it doesn't even look like the same sport, right? It's just, they're not a cyclist. They're not getting any fitness or barely any fitness out of that. Maybe that's my personal bias, but when you get to the performance e-bike and these lower weight e-bikes, clearly you're getting a workout. You're just getting it at different points. I like the way in your Indiegogo campaign, how you're articulating some of the power assist where it's that the level one is like a breeze at your back whereas yeah. the, the level three is like a rocket ship. So I think it it's super interesting. The second thing I want to point out, and it's difficult without looking at an image, and I'll certainly have links to both your website and the campaign, about the motor and battery mechanism and how mm-hmm. fr- from the uninitiated eye, it really does disappear mm-hmm. into the construction of the bicycle. You're not seeing a big battery where the water bottle might be and you're not seeing a massively oversized mechanism around the crankshaft. Yeah. So it's a very interesting visual with the Crow bicycles and this FAUSA motor system that I yeah. think you've designed into the product.
1: Yeah. Yeah, FAUSA was really interesting because you can find some bicycles in the market that they, they have like absolutely integrated the battery into the main tube. But it's something that you cannot easily remove from the, from the bicycle. So you, you're going to have always this battery and the motor it's integrated in the bottom bracket so you you have a bicycle that it's an e-bike it can be a not super powerful e-bike and it can be pretty light e-bike yeah but you have all these things in there inside and you can remove them and it's the aspect of some bicycles is yeah it's great you can see that there's no even connections or fatua was offering something that i really love it was a it's a clean design, it's absolutely integrated into the main tube. And, but the thing is that in seconds you can remove the whole system, even the motor, that this is the most interesting thing, even the motor and the battery in one pack and just put in place a hollow cover and you have a a standard bike. And this is is like uh, the best thing because if you want just to experience a standard bike without any assistance at all, And without the, with you, the extra weight of the motor and the battery, you can do it in seconds.
0: Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. And I know I saw that you've basically, you have a sort of a compartment that snaps back into where the battery and motor was so that you can carry a jacket or what have you in, in that location when you're not using the battery.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, this is, this, that, that was one of the interesting things for me. And this is when I always try to say to the people hey, this is this not a moped. And this is an like absolutely different concept to what maybe you're used to seeing in, a, in an e bike. But this is a real bicycle. And you can even use it as a real bicycle. And it, this is the magic of this system. This is, it's absolutely integrated in the whole, the, the whole design of bicycles. bicycle. You cannot really notice that you have a motor and the battery there. But even if you want, you can, You don't need to carry it with you if you just want to go for a standard bike ride.
0: And, yeah. So the bicycles, am I correct that they hover around sort of 30 pounds? Yeah.
1: Is that yeah. right? Something like that. Yeah, 3.2, 30.7, something like that, yeah.
0: And is that, is that with the battery? Yeah, that's with the battery and the motor. Yeah. Okay. And then when you take the battery out, what are you bringing the bike down to at that point?
1: Yeah, it's, you can get, let me be sure about that figure because it's, I have all the, the figures in, in kilos. <laughs> gotcha. In, yeah. Wait a second, I'll let you know. What was that? I think it, it was like seven pounds or something like this, okay. if I'm correct. Yeah, you remove 7.3 pounds, right? You're removing a lot of weight and the weight of the hollow tube is uh, 0.9 pounds. So you're turning your 3.2 pounds pounds bike into a, a 23.8 pounds or something like this. So it's, it's pretty light. It's a really decent weight for a, a standard bicycle. So it's, I know it's, there, there's of course, lighter, lighter, more lighter options in the market, but this, but the, you cannot transform it into an e-bike. And this is the, the great thing of this concept, that you can have two bikes in one.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's really, it's a mind blowing thing as a consumer to think about how it fits into your life and how having those two bikes. Yeah, it's not your featherweight race bike, but without that battery in there at 23 odd pounds, that's not obnoxious either. That's a bike that you can still ride and enjoy. Obviously there's a lot of different sectors of the e-bike market. E-mountain bikes and commuter bikes have been huge, as we've said before. What made you feel like Mm e-gravel was the right category to enter? And for the listener, what type of adventures and types of riding do you think that an e gravel bike opens up?
1: Let's start saying that probably for me the the e the the, the gravel is like uh, the most versatile bicycle ever. It's is the perfect all-rounder. You can go everywhere and do whatever you want with that. You can to commute, you can travel with it. And that that's that was why I decided to start my 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 bike brand my bike brand with with a gravel bike. But why e gravel bike? It's because I saw there was a new world to discover with uh, with an, an e-bike. I, I really love to travel with my bike. I every year I try to do at least one of two long journeys during uh, I don't know 10, we- 10, ten days or twelve days crossing part of Spain, and I was always carrying my my backpacks and and all the all the bags to to carry all the stuff for eleven or twelve days, and uh, some. At some points, I was struggling because even if you're fit, you definitely feel that all the way you're carrying with you, It's at some points, it's it's too much. And you don't enjoy very much with that. So I started to think, okay, even for that kind of customers, when you're traveling, when you need a bike that goes all kind of terrains, an e-bike, it's perfect too because you can be riding without any assistance. And at certain points where you need some help, You can come with that backup system that is going to help you it's going to make your life a little bit more easy and it doesn't mean that it's going to be any trick and you're not going to enjoy cycling or you're not gonna do a workout it's just going to help you when you want or when you need
0: i think it's really interesting with the e-bike again because i I feel like a lot of people like the natural perception is it's not a fitness experience but it it just changes where you're able to ride. I think about riders here out of San Francisco and anybody who's living in the city knows it might take you half an hour to get across the Golden Gate Bridge and then into the headlands. And in a big day, you might get to the top of Mount Tam. But if you eliminate some of the efforts in the, the early part of that ride and maybe ride out to Fairfax and start from the backside of Mount Tam, all of a sudden things that would have normally taken you a six, seven hour ride long day, which is generally outside the, the world of possibility for a lot of people, all of a sudden you're able mm-hmm. to explore the backside of Mount Tam or, or even farther out with the E-Assist. Yeah. So it becomes really interesting in the same way just a gravel bike in general becomes interesting that the combination of roads and trails, you can bring things together that you otherwise wouldn't have on other types of bikes. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's just one of those very thoughtful things as people are thinking about these bikes you need to consider Mm -hmm. what what it will open up for you to do yeah
1: yeah this is one of the one of the absolute is one of the uh,
0: main keys that you can
1: you can prepare your daily ride in a absolutely different way you can if you need to cross a city or you need to uh, reach a certain point and you you need to do some i don't know rows that even you need some speed or whatever the e-bike is going to always help you there and you can enjoy the rest of the ride without. But this is part of the key of of our concept, that you can enjoy it without any assistance. Because even with other e-bikes, you, in the end, when you are not pedaling or when you're not having assistance from the motor, you're moving the motor. And this is somehow, this is hurting your experience because you have some kind of feeling like, like you have a a not fine pedaling or you you feel it like a, a little bit like a jam, I don't know how to express it in English. It's not so easy to pedal like with or as in a standard bike. and in, But with a Fatsua system, it's really interesting because when you don't use the, the assistance, the motor is disconnected from the bottom bracket. So you feel that you're riding a standard bike. Even it's with the very, mechanism
0: still installed on the bike, you still don't feel yeah, like… Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the point, that's the point. You have three assistance modes. This is the breeze, as you described before. There's, yeah, having some wind on, on your back and the rocket. But in the middle, you have a, a river and all of them you can configure. Uh, you can customize them with, with your laptop and uh, a USB cable connected to the system. You can transform your, your whole system into uh, a different behavior when you want and you can explore and you can play with it. But the, the cool thing is that you have another mode that it's uh we call it like the non assistance mode and and, uh, the LEDs are uh bright and wide and in this mode it's the system has a clutch and the motor is disconnected from the bottom bracket so you are riding a standard bike and you're carrying of course you're carrying some extra weight because you you have this 3.1 sorry 7.3 pounds of the motor and the battery but it's not that much it's not something that and you're not really going to notice that weight very much. Because you're riding, like, one of the uh, wonderful things of the gravel bikes is that they are not, you know, rolling these massive, super wide and heavy tires of a mountain bike. You're rolling with, uh, with a tire that really pr- rolls perfectly. And even with the battery on the motor there, it's great. But one of the keys of the system is that you your motor is disconnected when you're not using the systems. So you have a standard bike.
0: That's really interesting. And I know for the listener of a a large, very large American brand just introduced a mountain bike with this same exact engine in it. So I think it's something we're going to see more and more of. And again, I probably misspoke. I shouldn't call it an engine. It's that mid drive motor that we're talking (laughs) about. Interesting. So where are you in the progression of beginning to start your production and deliver bikes?
1: Yeah, That's an interesting question. Uh, a lot of people ask it ask it us about the the production, and because everybody knows how is the industry right now, and the industry is struggling. Is struggling because there's it's, there's a boom on the demand. Something that after 15 years in the cycling industry, I never saw something like this. But it's it's great because this is in somehow it's it's on parallel with our vision. We we want more people riding on bikes. We want more people using versatile solutions for enjoying and for doing sports and also for commuting for transport and so that's great because this means that more people is using bicycles but yeah the the question is we are not going to use the stocks of the oe products this in the industry in the cycle industry there is two two ways to approach to the to the components you can buy them as a oe or you can buy them as a like a store or something as a retailer. The big players are always they need to use OE stocks because they are ordering massive amounts of products. They cannot order their products to any other stock that is not an OE. And this needs to go through the directly to the production facility in whatever in Japan or in the US or in Asia. And that that has a list of orders or pre-orders from all the big brands. And this part right now because everybody's ordering and there's a massive waiting list and but our case is a little bit different because we're a small brand and we are not going to order a massive amount of of parts Uh, so we are going to order them to the local european stocks to have access to to products that are going to be available sooner than the oe production so we're going to have of course a more expensive product, we're going to have less margin in our products, but instead we can we can deliver the bicycles to our customers before.
0: Yeah, I know we've talked about it on the podcast before. It's a very complicated moment in time for global supply chains, and it's particularly yeah. a- affecting all the smaller brands that I speak with because the big guys yeah. are sucking up all that volume and the manufacturers yeah. just simply can't keep up with the demand.
1: Yeah 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 there was a with the COVID thing there was like a lot of work there was a stop and but basically the production capacity is what it is so even if you want to order more the, the factories cannot produce more so this is right in of-
0: yeah you assume that it would sort itself
1: start shipping yeah sorry
0: yeah sorry dude i was say, saying yeah you assume that a year into the pandemic that it was going to start working itself out but there's no indication that supply is unlocking anytime soon.
1: Can you repeat again the the question, please? Because I, I
0: was some cut in the Yeah, no worries, no worries. Yeah, you would have you. I would have assumed a year into the pandemic that the supply chains would have been unlocked at this point. But there certainly hasn't been any indication from people I've been speaking with that that's the case. No, it's not the case. It's not the case. This is still struggling.
1: The thing is that it, it has somehow is like the perfect strong, storm, right? Because um, with the COVID and in, in the whole world has been locked down in their homes for really for months. At least in here in Europe, it was like pretty crazy because we were in our homes. We can even not go out for anything. Basically, just can go to the mall to buy some foods, and that was all. So the people was at their homes, and they were really suffering. And once the people started to go again out to the streets, they they appreciate more than ever before the, the freedom to go out, the freedom to practice sports. That was part of why all this boom is coming from, because the people wanted to keep practicing sports and enjoying their life. And also, in, in the big cities, the people is... Concern about using the the public transports or the bus or the subway, whatever. So there's a lot of people that also they are buying bicycles to do commute, and so this is this together with the, with the the whole stop that the production in in Asia had the first quarter of the year and even until the mid 2020. And plus all the demand that all the all the action industry is putting right now onto the onto the production in in Asia and in Europe, it's what is making this perfect storm. And seems that it's not going to
0: change in the short time. Definitely,
1: we think that probably until 20, 2023, this is not going to be better. Definitely.
0: Yeah. As you and I were talking offline, I think there there's going to be this new reality post COVID. And I, I do hope, and I'm optimistic that the sheer volume of people out on bikes is going to start to transform a lot of our communities and make cycling even safer and better. And products like this that have the versatility to deliver you maybe farther than you'd normally want to pedal on any given day, I think are really exciting changes in modality for transportation that we're in front of.
1: Yeah 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 that's it this i, I saw somehow the whole covid thing has forced to speed up some changes in the world right we were sp- uh, talking before about the the new way to work and where the people is uh, w- where the people is located working they are right now working in different places or from their home and now the, even the companies have discovered that, okay, maybe working from home is not that bad. And, and so the people, it's changing their uh, mentality, the way they understand the, the world. And this is somehow this is because of the COVID. And also the cycling industry, it's getting some profit from that because uh, the bicycle is the perfect transport solution for a lot of people but they didn't discover so far. So right now the people is discovering, yeah, wow, the bicycle is not that bad, it's great. I even go faster or I can I spend less time that with my car because I was, before that I was in a traffic jam and now I don't need to look for, a, I don't know, half hour, one hour looking for a parking to, to park my car. And now with a bicycle, I even, I go even, I reach my, my, my job happier because I'm, I'm practicing sports because before going to the office and I arrived to my office with, a, with a smile. And I, I, before that I was arriving really mad in a bad mood, uh, in a bad mood because I was tired of uh, being for a long time in a traffic jam. And this, this is changing. This is absolutely changing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Some of the many reasons I'm excited about the project you're working on with Crow Bicycles for the listener, I'll put links to Crow's website and their launch campaign that you should check out and I very much look forward to trying one of these bicycles myself and getting a perception on how it opens up gravel cycling in my community for me.
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to that too. We have, the truth is that we have right now one bicycle in the US, it arrived last week and we're going to have soon the motor and the battery system because we needed to send it separately for uh, different reasons. But yeah, it's going to be ready for you soon. So we're looking forward to, to, to hand it over to you and, and see your, your reaction to that bike. I think you're going you're gonna to love it. I'm enjoying this bike probably more than any other bike before. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people is going to discover a new world with this uh, new concept.
0: Awesome. Thanks for all the time today, David. I appreciate the overview.
1: Thank you very much for your time and congratulations for your work and this
0: this podcast. Big thanks again to David for joining the show and telling us more about Crow Bicycles and their exciting lineup. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can find them online. I'm keen to get your feedback. So if any of you are e-bike riders or have thoughts on the subject, feel free to shoot me a note or join me in the ridership forum. You can simply visit www.theridership.com. That's our free global cycling community, so jump right in, have a conversation. It's a great way to connect with me and other gravel cyclists from around the world. If you're able to support the show, simply visit buymeacoffee.com thegravelride. And remember to go check out that Hammerhead Carew 2 offer. Use the promo code the gravel Ride. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels.